So our scripture this morning is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. And if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there and locate verse 19. Las escrituras para el día de hoy la vamos a encontrar en el Evangelio de Juan. Los invito a que tomen sus Biblias y vayan al capítulo 20, empezando en el verso número 19. This is God's word for us. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Al atardecer de aquel primer día de la semana, Estando reunidos los discípulos a puerta cerrada por temor a los judíos, entró Jesús y poniéndose en medio de ellos los saludó. La paz sea con ustedes. Dicho esto, les mostró las manos y el costado. Al ver al Señor, los discípulos se alegraron. La paz sea con ustedes, repitió Jesús. Como el Padre me envió a mí, así yo los envío a ustedes. Acto seguido, Sopló sobre ellos y les dijo, reciban el Espíritu Santo. A quienes les perdonen sus pecados, les serán perdonados. A quienes no se los perdonen, no les serán perdonados. Continuing in verse 24, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas, el que apodaban el gemelo y que era uno de los doce, no estaba con los discípulos cuando llegó Jesús. Así que los otros discípulos le dijeron, hemos visto al Señor. Mientras no vea yo la marca de los clavos en sus manos y meta mi dedo en las marcas y mi mano en su costado, no lo creeré, repuso Tomás. Verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Una semana más tarde, estaban los discípulos de nuevo en la casa y Tomás estaba con ellos. Aunque las puertas estaban cerradas, Jesús entró. Y poniéndose en medio de ellos, los saludó. La paz sea con ustedes. Luego le dijo a Tomás, pon tu dedo aquí y mira mis manos. Acerca tu mano y métela en mi costado. Y no seas incrédulo, sino hombre de fe. Señor mío y Dios mío, exclamó Tomás. Porque me has visto, has creído, le dijo Jesús. Dichosos los que no han visto y sin embargo creen. 
Esta es palabra de Dios. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, what a gift it is to gather around your word, to hear from you, to know that you have truth for us this day. Lord, speak it to us. Open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that would come to know and understand your word. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then in response, I ask, oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm a little embarrassed to say it because it seems so silly, but I didn't even conceive of the fact that churches had a beginning until I was in my 20s. I mean, I, I grew up in the church. Uh, I, I would uh, worship amongst the saints. I would uh, learn in Sunday school classes. I would play and learn in youth group. Uh, and all of that time growing up and becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, I did not understand that churches started at a particular place in a particular time when the Lord used a particular people. What is that realization like to you? Maybe it's obvious because we're in a new church. I never grew up in new churches. I grew up in old churches. I mean, 100-year-old churches, right? Churches that had some long-standing history. Churches that had uh, sanctuaries that you did not run in, that you, that you were not loud in. And uh, when it came to the kneelers and the chancel, which is the stage platform area, uh, you didn't go there because it was important. I grew up in those spaces not realizing that 60, 70, 80 more years before that, God used people to plant a church. Whenever I realized that in my 20s, my heart burned on fire. I knew that the Lord had done an extraordinary thing in my life. And I began to celebrate and give thanks to the Lord for people that I had never met. People before that moment that I had never even considered. And so I wonder what it's like for us to sit in this room this day and imagine 50 years from now when none of us are here. We've all moved on to other locations, retired to the hill country as it were, or retired to a life eternal with our Savior. But 50 or more years from now, may there be some punk teenage boy roaming the commons in the halls, thinking he's there for the girls, but God has other plans for him. He's in worship, he's in Bible study and in youth group, and in the end, he's there for the grace that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. And when he encounters new life in Christ, whether he knows it or not, 
He's going to give thanks for you. Fifty years from now, generations will have been impacted by what you have begun and what you continue to do in ministry and mission here at Covenant. And so I thank my God for you. I think about uh, those few of you that uh, 11 years ago were with me in my living room before we had ever begun worship, and I, I think that you were crazy. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it takes an especially insanely uh, joyful, spirit-filled person to step forward when it's just a living room. Uh, I think about those of you that, that were with us 8 to 11 years ago when we were at the YMCA that's not even a YMCA anymore. Y'all remember that? Those of you that were there, I mean, the YMCA that's not a YMCA, when, whenever the projector would go out and we had to get the 14-foot A-frame ladder and Pastor Jason would stand on the top of the A-frame ladder, not the rung, but the top top to plug it in, and all of the men that were standing around wondered who was going to preach the sermon when Jason died. Reasonable question. And then I think of those times we shared together at Timber Creek Elementary and all of the many uh, servants that the Lord brought into our mission and ministry together those three to seven years ago and how God began to shape and form us in discipleship and community And what a beautiful gift it was to grow in that space. So many of you asked those questions. Can I actually worship in my child's cafeteria? You hesitated. You wondered, is that that a possibility? Could, Could that be sacred space? And we encountered the Lord together there. Because it wasn't about the space. It was about the people of God glorifying his name Sunday after Sunday together. And then I look out and I think of the many more of you that have joined us in mission and ministry in the last three years since we opened this facility. What a gift it is to know that God is moving alive in our midst. His spirit is calling us forward Uh, not only to celebrate what he has done, but to look forward to what he is doing right now and will do in the future. And for us to embrace that boundless, spirit-filled future and to reach out to our community, offering grace and love that our community would indeed be a community connecting in Christ. It's a real gift that we share in together, to be together in community on mission. And then I think of the disciples. I think of this scripture, and, and so often when we come to this passage, we hear uh, that, that the doors were locked for fear of the Jews, and Jesus said, peace. And I, I taught on that literally last week, that, that Jesus brings a word of peace in the midst of their fear, in the midst of their trouble, and in the midst of their potential persecution. And even still... There is something more beautiful, maybe slightly nuanced for us to receive 
And it's the words that precede the doors being locked for fear of the Jews. It said the disciples were together. Did you hear that? The disciples were together. And that seems to make sense at first blush. The disciples had been together for three years. Jesus called them into ministry and invited them to follow him. And as they followed day by day, they learned and they grew and they witnessed and they became a body together. All the way uh, to, to, to those times we remember just a few weeks before, a Palm Sunday, as Jesus rode the colt down uh, the, the Kedron Valley from the Mount of Olives. And, and as he rode the colt, everybody waved palm branches and said, Hosanna in the highest heaven. And you know what? The disciples were there with Jesus together. And then when they were in the upper room on Monday, Thursday, and Jesus knelt at their feet, he washed all 12 disciples' feet together. When he shared in a Holy Communion and he, and he was there with the, the, the bread and the cup, he offered it to all of his disciples together. But beginning in that upper room, all the way until... Until Good Friday evening, there seems to begin to be a breaking of their togetherness. Jesus predicts Thomas's betrayal, uh, I mean, Judas's betrayal, and Judas leaves. Jesus predicts Peter's denial, and Peter experiences the pain of that. The 11 follow Jesus to, the, uh, to uh, the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there in that space, they are together. But when Judas comes and betrays Jesus, they are no longer together. In fact, at the crucifixion, in all four gospel accounts, there is only evidence of one disciple being present, only one at a distance with the women. All of the women, it seems, were there. Glory to God, we should have been there too. But there was only one disciple there. His name was John. And he was there, it seems, for a purpose because Jesus delegated responsibility for his mother, Mary, to John. But he was the only one there. Whenever we experience pain and trauma, when we are walking through grief and loss, whenever we are confused and, and walking in doubt, what are we to do? Are we to isolate? Are we to, are we to withdraw? Are we to uh, enter into our own silos? Are we to try to go it alone because it might seem to be simpler? No! Definitively, no. The disciples gather together after Jesus' resurrection in the upper room on Sunday evening. Something happened between Friday night and Sunday evening. They are back together again in this great time of need. 
Because that's what Christian community does. They come together. Even Peter. Even Peter is there with them. And I find that quite extraordinary. Peter, uh, it says when we last saw him, after he denied Jesus three times, and, and after uh, he felt the weight of the cock crowing, uh, we, we see Peter last weeping and retreating. And we can imagine what that sorrow is like. We could feel the weight and burden of it as well. Because whenever we come up short of what we know our calling is, we can carry with us shame. And it, could, and it can become a heavy, heavy burden. But even as Peter wept in his shame, the disciples came around him and brought him back into community so that when they gathered and received the resurrection appearance of Christ, he was there. Some of you might have experienced some extraordinary betrayal of your faith, betrayal of the Lord, and so you carry with you shame this day and every day and you wonder, is there a place for me in Christian fellowship? Do I belong? I don't feel as though I belong. I feel as though I have been excommunicated, as though the opportunity for right relationship has passed. But that is not the gospel truth. Even in the midst of betrayal and shame, Christian fellowship restores and welcomes in so that we walk together. Maybe it's not shame for you. Maybe it's doubt. We see uh, that there were only 10 disciples in the upper room. There was one missing, and this is Thomas. This is, this is Thomas's like big scene. This is, you know, I, I oftentimes wonder, what about Bartholomew and what, what about Thaddeus? We don't have much about these disciples, but, but we have this witness about Thomas, and this is uh, his substantial uh, feature moment. And we wonder, where were you, Thomas? Were you out buying groceries? Were you running errands? It doesn't seem like the character witness we're seeing here matches up with just running an errand. I wonder if on Sunday morning, Mary comes and offers the first testimony to the resurrected Christ. And he says, nah, I don't believe. And the others gather together curious and wondering but they're together, and Jesus comes and meets with them, and they go and tell Thomas. And Thomas, more defiant than maybe he was at first, says, I reject this witness. I will have to see and touch for myself in order for me to believe. And some of us have been there or maybe are there too. 
where our questions and our, and our wonderings, where our doubt and our struggle, our wrestling seem to be so grand, so, so uh, obstructionist that, that we don't know if we can even approach at all. We wonder if, if I'm not a Christian, but I'm curious about Christianity, is there a space for me? We wonder if, if I've heard the testimony but have my doubts, can I be welcome in? And the, 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 the word of the Lord is clear here. Even in the midst of our doubts, dare I even say, even in the midst of our rejection of the gospel, there is space for you in the midst of Christian fellowship so that as we walk together, we together encounter the resurrection. How many of us have been restored to the faith or been initiated into the faith after if we were honest, we had been pretending for far too long. But even in the midst of that doubt and question, Jesus met with us as we met with others. Togetherness, community, it's a gift from God. And, and, and we are to persevere into it in it and, and, and to, to strive together and it, it takes effort it takes work it's hard but one of my favorite things about the last few weeks that we've shared together in this boundless campaign is the time we've had in home meetings uh, we spent some time uh, in living rooms, and, and we experienced uh, wonderful meals. I'm looking out at some of the people that prepared those meals. Thank you. Thank you. It was excellent. I have gained 10 pounds in the last couple of weeks, but that's okay. I'll work it off. I'll get there. But as we gathered at the end of those meetings, there was a simple question. What does the church mean to you? What has God done in your life through the work of the church? Those were my favorite moments. Because I was able to hear from you. I was able to hear stories that over and over again testified to what it meant to walk in community together that you didn't walk alone, that in your time of mourning, in your time of grief, in your time of trial, in your time of sadness, and in your time of shame, and in your time of doubt, you found community that welcomed you in and you experienced resurrection. This is the good news of what it means to be church. That we together at Covenant can walk out our faith seeking the Lord. And he reveals himself amongst us 
in the resurrection. May generations to come experience that same goodness here as you have in these past years. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, the witness of your people that have come together to glorify you uh, over the centuries just rings true for us as we celebrate what you are doing in our midst today. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your witness and for your love, for your grace that invites us in, into community, into fellowship, and into resurrected life. Lord, walk with us, we pray, as we continue uh, in worship and celebrate the uh, the, the decisions that these confirmands are making, decisions for you to profess their faith openly, to lead a Christian life. Lord, we ask that you would bless and keep them in this time of testimony. Lord, we ask, God, that you would uh, be glorified in our time of worship. We thank you for all that you're doing. We also enter into this time of offering, Lord. And as the ushers come forward, we, we, we offer a portion of what you have blessed us with to the kingdom-building work of your church. Lord, we ask that you would use these gifts uh, to glorify God, to, 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 uh, to spread the, the love and grace of your son Jesus to the world. Lord, be glorified in this time of offering, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.